Oh, good. You've come round. Where are we? That's a nice question. Hasn't got a nice answer, though. Why are my arms shackled in front of me? He's a big fan of Adam Ant's Prince Charming. Shh. He's coming. Ah, ephemerals. Perhaps you'd like to see why I brought you here. That would be nice. What did you say your name was? I didn't. Friendly, isn't he? I'm not here to be friendly. No, you're here so we can hang. (laughs) Honey, now's not the time for jokes. Look at him, wrinkly, bald and tattooed. The combination that just screams serious. Silence, ephemerals. My name is Zelin. Wow, that's a lovely name. Bit like Zeppelin. I once met a woman called Sharpie. Had a long conversation about her dogs. Border terriers, I think she said they were. Enough delay. I brought you here to show you your worst nightmares. Who would like to go first? Alpha, you like this sort of thing, right? What? Very well. The short one shall go first. Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, please return to your seats and fasten your seatbelts. We are about to enter what looks like an area of extreme turbulence over this vast, open, never-ending ocean. Oh, no. No! No! What did you see? Was it heights? Because you're so small? (laughs) You shall be next. Oh, right. Go on, then. Can I get you a drink, my love? Oh, please. Hurry, though. The news is starting. Good evening. The headlines this evening. The Conservative Party have won the general election. (coughs) Want to go? Do your worst. So that just about wraps up another episode of the Oodcast. Thank you so much for listening as we bang on joyously about Doctor um, Who and... Chris? Yeah? Shouldn't there be lights on this box? Oh. There's a switch on this. Oh, there you go. All those lovely little lights are back. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. Did we manage to record anything? Well... <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Oodcast. This is another episode in our current series where this week we are going to be talking about the story can you hear me i can hear you chris <laughs> podcast oh well done thanks um so joining me as you have already heard is to my left it is the lovely laura sup and to my right it is the equally lovely chris Sigmund. down so welcome 
both of you, thank you, who <laughs> would like to talk about something they liked or loved or whatever. Oh, we're champing at the bit. We all we looked at do each you, other. We're like, oh, you know, oh yeah, fight, fight, fight. And do you know what? Beauty before wisdom. Oh, oh, no, oh, you. no, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, I'll go first. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, Chris, you've got notes. I've got Laura. Go first. I've got feelings. <laughs> go for I've it, got loves. feelings. Okay, all right. So here are my feelings. It's uh, I don't. I'm not sure that Doctor Who has ever done an episode exclusively about mental health before. Has it? I'm sure it has. Somewhere in the wilds of history. If we say definitely that it hasn't, then people will point out that it has. So <laughs> okay. let's say. We can't think in living memory. Within New Who, <laughs> I'm not sure there's been an episode exclusively about wow. mental illness. So I was actually quite pleased to see this episode. And also the bigging up of Islamic physicians right at the start on how they tackled mental illness. I do, I do not know from any further research whether or what sort of curative methods they were, but they've got to be better than what we used to do until very recently here, banging a bit of metal into someone's brain or things like that. Mm. As somebody who um, suffers from mental health problems themselves, it was really, really wonderful to see primetime popular culture go over what is a very, very relevant, pressing and thorny issue. And so lovely to see it tackled in a way that was quite sensitive from time to time covered both sides of the gender experience of mental health difficulties and still managed to be completely fantastical in places. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's picking a sort of a thematic topic on which the world could be improved each week and going down those lines. It feels good to have something of substance behind the stories. And that's before we even get to how creepy various plot elements of it were mm. but i feel like i should yield the floor to one of you two <laughs> to say your your thoughts well uh, i was going to say that as i'm hosting chris <clears throat> you I, should go i just want to pick up the baton on the mental health thing um i i think it was done really interestingly and when russell t davis brought back Doctor Who, he said that Buffy was kind of a core text for him and the idea, Buffy especially in the early days, was that every monster was an allegory for something about being a teenager for mm. growing pains um, and in this one the monsters are allegories for mental health as well as having people who are, who are depressed, who can't let go of an old trauma. Um, it was only pointed out to me a little later that it was really funny that one of the big monster things was putting your finger in your ears. So if <laughs> mental health is the thing, one of the ways that it grows stronger is when people put their fingers in their ears and don't listen, which I thought was really clever and really good, even though it was the wet end of the finger. Oh, that is so gross. Yeah, I understand you... why, because it was drawing stuff out into the finger. So you wouldn't want the closed end, you'd want the open end, but it was still weird. If any, if, if I'm any judge... Either end can be the wet end. True. I mean, <laughs> this is well. Yeah, you're you're going very much down the 1980s comedy film route, which I think they were called Wet Willies then. They were they go. not anymore so, though. Oh no, no, that's something <clears throat> very different. But that was just me talking about Laura's point. So I would like to introduce a point of my own, which is a very geeky one. 
They mentioned the Celestial Toymaker. They mentioned the Guardians and the Eternals. Mm -hmm. And they just, it was nice to link them all together and bring it up to date that these beings that are out of time, that are all powerful, almost gods. I wonder if maybe the Dream Lord we could put into that cohort I as well. I think so. Yeah. I think he could be a cousin of, of the two who we saw in this episode. So Celestial Toymaker was second, first 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 doctor and then guardians a lot of fourth bit of fifth yeah. eternals were fifth, fifth as well so yeah. we're seeing something that's been in the show for ages come back which is yeah. cool and, and i think of all the things they could have brought back from the old series the eternals are a really great idea I, I know they're not technically the eternals but they refer to humans as ephemerals which the eternals do which is a really great way of of sort of asserting some creepy authority. And they Fellas, do exactly the same thing. They're immortal me, and gaming with people, which is... Is, is that a sort of a summary of who the Eternals are for people who've joined the series more recently? Essentially, yeah. So it's in the, the Fifth Doctor story, Enlightenment, okay. um, where they end up on some racing ships in the middle of space. And they're basically having a race using crews they've drawn off Earth from different time periods just to win... Enlightenment, um, which is, I'm not going to explain what that is because that will actually spoil the entire story. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's really a- actually one of the best um, Fifth Doctor stories, I think. And mm. like this one, female writer, female director. It was the first one, I think, in the show's history. That interesting. One. So, yeah, so bored gods meddling yeah. with human affairs for fun yeah. is, yeah, like they are in this one, essentially. And even though... They're not quite the same. They're obviously all cousins or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they obviously appear to be um, aware of each other, which is interesting. And I hope that comes back. Yeah. I mean, imagine the exploding heads if the Celestial Toymaker reappears. But there you go. Um, so I'm going to just add my extra thought in that I loved this wall to wall. I didn't have anything that I had any doubts about. Because it just, it felt like you had a landscape of really interesting takes on um, different mental health issues from Ryan's best mate to Yaz's history to Graham's fears about his cancer coming back. Um, Three different kind of symptoms of a similar kind of field of problem. And then it's just built on sort of every stage with a really interesting situation and a villain and i was just very very happy it felt like the kind of area the show was going towards when it was cancelled in the uh, in 89 um so i think i've seen someone else saying it feels like a virgin new adventure and it does because it's sort of it's grounded in that reality but it's really great um kind of fantastical elements shine through really strongly so i i'm a big fan of this one so i think we need to talk a little bit about graham's cancer conversation Mm. at the end hello uh chris chibnall here chris chibnall just wanted to share some little outtakes with you uh during the filming of can you hear me we realized that some viewers might not appreciate how doctor who reacted to graham opening up to her you know what with her being an extraterrestrial with little real experience of listening to people's problems and and even less of letting out her own all-consuming feelings. So we workshop that scene on set, and here are some of the alternative endings to their conversation. Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. 
No problem, Graham. But I'm an alien, mate. We don't do emotions. Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat has really helped. Whatever. Talking again, were you? You and your talking. Suppose it was about that dead wife of yours again. Always on about the dead wife. Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. Here. What's this? It's a balloon. I know that. Well, what's it for? To cheer you up. Never met anyone who can't be cheered up by a balloon. Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. Not a problem, Graham. Perhaps now you'd like to tell me what life was like when you were a child. Were you especially close to your mother, perhaps? Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. Do you fancy a cheese toasty? I've just finished welding this toasted sandwich maker onto the console. Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. Would you like a jelly baby? Thanks for listening, Doc. This chat's really helped. (sighs) Well, that's 20 minutes of my lives. I'll never get back. I wonder if there's something yet to come. I wonder if that's setting up something, because it was such a weird moment and i know this doctor is slightly socially awkward but she's also so kind and so loving it Mm. didn't feel quite like the doctor that my version of the doctor i have in my head wouldn't react quite like that and i wonder normally when she doesn't when she doesn't act like we think she should act it's because of a plot point that might be coming later on so i wonder if something else this isn't the end of that plot thread Mm. So I had no problem with the way the doctor reacted, but partly because um, I think if you're listening to someone unload like that, it's much better to listen rather than mm-hmm. give advice. So maybe, you know, that's too in-depth a thought um, to be true here. But also she's dealing with her own massive stuff. And sometimes it's good to listen to other people's problems when you have that stuff going on. And sometimes it unlocks a torrent of your own. So, you know, I think it's weirdly quite a human reaction. So maybe that's why it felt wrong to I, some. I hear you. I, I I don't think she should have been giving advice, but I'd have loved her to reach out to him. Just maybe even one hand on his arm as she just continued to work the concert. I just wanted some something more than what I got personally but i agree that she shouldn't have gone this is how you deal with this thing yeah well it is how some people deal with displacement activity is a classic avoidance technique used by people with anxiety and depression you know Mm. her going oh let's all go off and see mary shelley is exactly the sort of thing and and this may be how she feels she's helping she's not tackling her own trauma at all because she's spending all of her mm. time entertaining her companions to distract her from what's really going on. And the fact that when they leave her initially, she cannot think of a way to spend a half a day mm. without them and considers just zipping forward to tomorrow rather than having that time with her own thoughts. And when mm. she is alone, she pretends they're there. And yeah. it's not that she's really forgetful. She's playing a game with herself. She's mm-hmm. hiding from herself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Narrating herself, which is something that people who are lonely do do. They narrate mm-hmm. whatever they're doing at that point. So I don't, you know, I feel that she is very traumatized and her inability to deal with Graham's Graham's reaction to what happened in the most sympathetic way is part of that trauma. 
something that I found quite interesting is the the, the notion of who's a goodie and a baddie. I mean, it's quite obvious that the um, two gods are eventually bad. But the first time you meet Rakaia, the god in the sphere, because she is so beautiful and she's vulnerable, she's in distress. Calls to Graham by name. Calls to Graham by name. She's asking for help. She appears so Mm. weak. You automatically assume that she's benevolent. Mm. And I think that's quite interesting um, that not everybody who is vulnerable and weak is necessarily good or Mm. kind or a good thing. Um, And once she's out of the sphere, she reveals this sort of threat that's, very, very calculated and um, emotionally manipulative. And and I like how she shuts down her companion who's saying, oh, take everybody, feast on them all at once. And it's like, no, let's really draw it out. Let's, mm, you know... Yeah, we could make this last forever. Go street yeah. by street. A whole eternity of pain and suffering is very, very creepy. Mm. Um, and I just, I quite enjoyed how her character was drawn up. It was such a sort of corruption of the tropes of what appear to be this designates a good Mm. character, this designates somebody who's evil. And the absolute most creepy thing is the idea that at first we assume he's harnessing nightmares in order to drive her mad by sending them into the sphere when we think she's good. But then we find out that he's doing it to keep her sane in that she needs to experience other people's suffering in order to keep sane. Mm. That's super creepy yeah i think i think the rest of eternity in that ball him and her just inches away from big old long clawed creature just going at each other for the rest (laughs) of eternity would be quite interesting to see okay what was that conclusion i had no idea what was going on how did the doctor solve it she just seemed to solve it it was like Everyone was there, and what happened? Well, she realised that the finger things were in some way controlling an energy flow into the sphere. Yes. So she took the control mechanism to Earth. Was that what the big blue blue ball was? was, Yeah. Got the creature to hang on to the two gods. Right. Because the creature could now be controlled. And then zapped the creature into the sphere. Yeah. Using the okay, you, I just didn't know what the, the fingers. Okay, mm. using the fingers that she'd nicked <laughs> that had previously been stuck in everybody's mm. ear as conduits of that energy. Cool. It just seemed a very RTD sonic screwdriver. Boom! They've all gone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it me was. being stupid. That mm. what I just said was a whole bunch of techno babble, but I hope no. But it, that I, it I think actually it was quite a good explanation of what she <laughs> actually did. It, it, as much as. We didn't read. I don't think there was much of an explanation in the in the, in the episode, but you could sort of piece it together by what she clearly understood mm. and what was what was happening. But yeah, and to be honest, I don't really care. I don't care <laughs> if it makes sense. But what I did care about was all of those moments of tangible, open honesty about the difficulty of living with a mental health issue. Mm. As soon as Ryan went to his friend's house and saw packets left open on the sideboard and you know dishes in the sink i thought oh that's what my house looks like when i'm depressed Mm. and boom there you go and it's it's so common it affects so many people let's let's get more of this out in the open and talking about it Mm. well 
I think I think something that I really liked was seeing Aleppo um, mm. back through history because now when we think about Aleppo, all we think about is destruction, bombs, mass slaughter of civilian populations. It's yeah. sort of a byword for a country turning in on itself. And it was wonderful to see it, not quite in its heyday, but sort of how how it could be, how mm. civilizations Feeding can the world. be. Yeah, when they are caring, nurturing um, places. So that that was bittersweet, I thought. Yeah, it was quite an interesting choice, I think, because presumably they could have chosen anywhere to be that 14th century location, and they chose Aleppo. Um, and I mean, not anywhere, but, you know, they they could have chosen from dozens Anywhere of, in the Islamic Ummah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a, an interesting choice to go with Aleppo for those, and I think it's a good choice for those reasons. Mm. It challenges people's preconceptions and makes them think, ah, oh, this isn't always. It isn't always the way are. it is, mm. and it connects them to the current trauma that people are experiencing there, and adds to the relevancy of what what was being discussed. I think to build on that, this episode use, uses the three companions well, so each mm. of the three have something meaty in there um so so many episodes we've said well you could cut the companions out and it would be the yeah. same story but in this one all three of them are part are, are really the meat of the story so i thought they this episode used them all very well that's two in a row now isn't it mm. which feels encouraging and it's two in a row that chris chibnall has written with someone else it's three in a row actually he's written with someone else and they've all been good and interesting, Certainly the best work you know, I think that Toshin Cole has done mm. on this series so far, yeah, I I'm, reckon. I'm quite pleased to see Yaz getting more depth mm -hmm. because, I mean, the first series was basically about Ryan and Graham and their relationship and their relationship with Grace. And Yaz didn't have that anchor. But Who was now, back, we it? should say. Yes, Not for long. Of course, yeah. yeah. I know. Oh, it's so sad. I like Grace. Well, she got to be creepy as well. Yes, which, is, yeah. which was, you know, ooh, that's, yeah. that's upsetting. She's good at that as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought that, I thought something much worse had happened to Yaz, though, than she'd just run away for a while. Or ha have I, again, misread the situation? No, I no. thought that perhaps she'd had another sister who'd died in some awful car crash or something. It It just seemed like the way that that freeze frame scene of her alone on the moor Mm. seemed really really terrible oh some of the way they filmed that was amazing though i yeah. think a bit of drone photography the more from above and the big mm -hmm. sweeping yeah, vistas was, were beautiful. pretty beautiful yeah. i mean that is what yorkshire is like if if anybody's not been there do go and see it's bleakly beautiful i think it's all relative though because i think a moment like that in somebody's life can be the same as losing a, a sibling in a car crash in its effect on you. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly to Yaz it was because it turned her entire life in a different direction eventually. And that was nice to see. Not like we got the origin story of how she became a cop. And yeah. that was nice. Yeah. And very interesting that her sister is sort of choosing to celebrate that. <laughs> like or, or that's why I didn't it, understand yeah. it. I don't so think it was much. entirely a happy thing. No, I suppose it was a, I, like I, I don't understand why you would necessarily have an anniversary dinner to mark something like that other than to say I'm still around yeah. I would still do the same thing I would make the call again I think it's quite a, quite a nice thing to do in some ways I'm not sure 
I think I'd be with Yaz. I'm not sure I want to do this every year now. <laughs> yeah. I've had enough of, you know, enough reminders that I nearly did something silly. Um, yeah, but it's nice that they have a relationship that's also believable and isn't, uh, it means they're not there just to crack terrible jokes about the internet and what not working. <laughs> I have a few little things that don't attach to anything else, like I seem to have most weeks now. Can mm-hmm. I quickly say them? Yes. Go for it. Still really think Bradley Walsh is knocking it out of the park as Graham. I really like the little scene with him and his mates and the poker and, and, and <laughs> yes, quite quite yeah. creepy just dealing the cards yeah. on the table and stuff. Just the way he was with them was really great. So I think he's st- continuing to be uh, MVP. Is that right? Most valuable player. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, really liked the animated bit when she told the story of the yes. gods. That was really Had something I've seen before. We haven't talked about that at all. That was lovely. Um, and the final thing is I like the control system on the monitor platform being a string instrument. Just thought that was a really interesting <laughs> yeah. way of controlling stuff. Oh. I was disappointed they didn't zoom in by pulling them apart. That, that would have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I think we've done enough talking. Let's, um, uh, I'll, let's hand over to me <laughs> for, the, for the haiku. This is the haiku for Can You Hear Me? Dark visions point them to jailed, nightmarish prankster. They stay bottled up. So, um, before we go, I think we have time to find out what we have been enjoying this week. Yeah. Um, So, let's have the jingle that I know exists now. Can we tell you what's making us feel good? This week. Chris, let's start with you this week. I think I mentioned before that I have got the Blu-ray of the Sylvester McCoy season mm. 26. First of all, the packaging is beautiful. It is designed by my friend Tom Webster, who was oh. on the show uh, <laughs> in the Ood One Out season. Uh, he's a, a great improviser and a brilliant designer. And just the thought and love that has gone into that package is incredible. And those stories hit me at just the right time in my life when I was becoming a Doctor Who fan and they are part of who I am. So to see them presented so lovingly makes me feel very, very good. That's so nice. Um, In the episode this week, there was a sequence that was animated about gods manipulating human populations there is a similar sequence in one of my favourite films, Hedvig and the Angry Inch, where the gods destroy the human race because they've grown too powerful by by tearing what was once four-legged, uh, sorry, yeah, four-legged, four-armed creatures into two-legged, two-armed creatures. Sounds like the origin of love. It is the <laughs> origin of love. Clouds made of fire and mountains stretched up to the sky, sometimes higher. Folks from the earth, like big rolling kegs, they had two sets of arms, they had two sets of legs, they had two faces peering out of one giant head, so they could watch all around. While they read and they never knew nothing of love 
And if anybody hasn't seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, it's a very interesting um, meditation on gender, love, soulmates, music, creativity, post-World War II Berlin. Mm. It's a great film. And uh, I hear it's also a very good Broadway musical as well, although I've never been able to go and see it. I saw Andrew Reynolds doing it and he was incredible. Fantastic. Well, bully for you. <laughs> so if you've not seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, go and have a look-see slash listen. It's by John Cameron Mitchell. I, I will now. Um, my choice this week is because... Uh, next week in the episode, we're going to be meeting Lord Byron and Mary Shelley. So I'm doing something about poetry because it, it it's nice. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer than that, I've lost track of time. Um, they announced the winner of the T.S. Eliot Prize this year. And it was a, um, a poet called Roger Robinson. And I came across one of his poems, the, the title poem of his collection that won the prize. And it absolutely blew me away. It's it's beautiful and just made me feel like I wanted to hold it and write it myself. I can't do that. Um, it's called A Portable Paradise. And if I speak of paradise, then I'm speaking of my grandmother, who told me to carry it always on my person, concealed, so no one else would know but me. That way they can't steal it, she'd say. And if life puts you under pressure, trace its ridges in your pocket... Smell its piney scent on your handkerchief, hum its anthem under your breath. And if your stresses are sustained and daily, get yourself to an empty room, be it hotel, hostel or hovel. Find a lamp and empty your paradise onto a desk, your white sands, green hills and fresh fish. Shine the lamp on it like the fresh hope of morning and keep staring at it till you sleep. And when I first read that, I don't think I'd ever felt so many things in one go reading a poem. So um, I wanted to share that with as many people as possible. So I've been talking about it ever since. Um, but yeah, that's me this week. Don't think we sh should say much more. Just say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Assholes. 
just can't make it on their own If gods were all creeps, what would they do? Come into your bedroom, violate you, would they get into your brain? And cause you pain that would be too far-fetched Or is it really? And yeah, yeah, this God's cruel And yeah, yeah, and a tool And yeah, 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 yeah What if God's were assholes? Unmitigated assholes No concern for us they just can't make it on their own They just don't want to be alone Like to hear us scream and moan Think their plan should be postponed It's time that they were overthrown Nightmares on the 